Hey, it's Anita, and this is the Anita Posh Show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Anita Posh Show, where it is my pleasure to keep you up to date with topics around Bitcoin on a global stage and also the local impact it has on people like you and me. My guest today is a special guest because it's me. Sorry, yes, I was interviewed by Balash Sheku. He did an interview with me for the Central European Magazine. Um, it is located in Hungary, but uh, Balosh is also living in Vienna. But we got together online because we're still in a lockdown here. We are going to talk about the topic of how Bitcoin can support democracy, um, about the different aspects of Bitcoin, how blockchain is revolutionizing the global financial system, how cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin can help overcome Big Brother and surveillance uh, by state and companies and why every regulatory plan makes Bitcoin even stronger. As always, you can listen to this podcast in your favorite podcast player, use the Breeze wallet, use Sphinx chat app to send some sets to me and you can also watch it on YouTube. Please be sure to subscribe to my channel. And after a short message from my sponsors, as always, enjoy. Many people worry about the right storage for their Bitcoin. And yes, holding them isn't always easy. The safest way is offline, physically. That's why Coinfinity developed the Card Wallet, the professional and easy solution. Order it now at cardwallet.com slash Anita and get 20% off. Many people worry about the right storage for their Bitcoin. And yes, holding them isn't always easy. Smartphones get lost, hard drives can crash, and online wallets get hacked frequently. The safest way of storing cryptocurrencies long-term is offline in a physical way. That's why Coinfinity developed the Card Wallet, the professional and easy cold storage solution. The Card Wallet supports various security features such as high-quality materials and tamper-proof features which prevent the manipulation of the card and make it a safe place for your beloved coins. Get yourself a Card Wallet now. You will get 20% off if you order at cardwallet.com slash Anita. That's cardwallet.com slash Anita. Do you want to stay up to date with the things that happen in Bitcoin from my point of view? Then subscribe to Anita's Weekly, my newsletter with articles, videos, quotes, short tips on how to use Bitcoin and all that for free. Subscribe to Anita's Weekly at anita.link weekly. Welcome. My name is Valas Czeke and you are listening to the Central European Affairs Talk podcast. In today's episode, we are going to talk about Bitcoin and Co. shifting the paradigm. How cryptocurrencies are changing the global financial system and how this can be productive for democracy. My guest today is Anita Posch, a cryptocurrency expert and member of board at the Austrian NGO Bitcoin Austria. She is the author of the book titled Bitcoin and Co., the translator of several books about cryptocurrencies from English to German. And she's also the host of the Anita Posch Show podcast. 
specializing in topics related to Bitcoin and the crypto world. Hi, Anita. Thank you so much for joining our show. It's a real pleasure to have you here and to talk to you about these things that are actually revolutionizing our world. Hello, Balash. Thank you very much for inviting me. I'm honored to be here. Thank you. Anita, last year has been very strange for all of us uh, on this planet. Um, but one of the very few positive changes, uh, one of the lights in the darkness has been the rise of Bitcoin and uh, cryptocurrencies in general. Probably most of our listeners uh, have uh, heard about Bitcoin, but it is still a relatively small community uh, that really knows what it stands for and what you can do with it. Therefore, I would like to ask you first what Bitcoin means to you personally. Yeah, I'm going back a little bit in my personal history because I I'm an educated um, or urban planner by education, actually. And so I always was interested in the peaceful and prosperous uh, li living of people together. And I think uh, with my then uh, professional life in the internet space, I uh, found Bitcoin like four, four, four or five years ago and realized that it basically is the culmination point of all my personal interests. And I decided that I think that I can be part of a positive change if I'm going forward in educating people about Bitcoin and uh, open blockchains. I believe that Bitcoin is uh, the biggest chance for humanity uh, in a way, uh, although many people won't believe me if I say that, um, but a, a, a big chance for uh, the human rights uh, movement, for uh, anti-corruption uh, measurements, and for a more peaceful and uh, especially more fair uh, life together for all the people because Bitcoin enables a transparent, open, permissionless um, exchange of value. And this exchanging value is basically a human need and that can be satisfied uh, by Bitcoin in a decentralized way for everyone equally around the world. And I think that's why it's such a revolutionary um, or the next step uh, in money, basically, yeah. And how can Bitcoin promote democracy, democratic values, human rights in detail? So basically, Bitcoin is a technology that is built on mathematical rules. Uh, on which the people who are in Bitcoin, who use Bitcoin, who own Bitcoin, who use a Bitcoin wallet, who develop Bitcoin, we all decide together that those rules that have been uh, introduced um, um, are part of a, a system that works with these mathematical rules, but they cannot be bent. So, People who are in power or centralized organizations or whoever can't bend the rules of Bitcoin. And at the same time, 
at the same time, it's an open permissionless system. So everybody can join. You only need a phone and that's basically what you need. You don't need an ID, for instance. So it enables financial inclusion of billions of people who are left behind at the moment. And through its transparency, um, it's also uh, a way to um, make corruption or, or uh, enable less corruption in that way because you take out the, the human greed in that uh, case in the form uh, of if you have too much power, if you feel um, you can uh, um, play with the system, then you are doing it. But with Bitcoin and open blockchains, you can't play with them. You can't use them to your own uh, personal advantage. So the technology behind Bitcoin is is the blockchain technology, uh, blockchain technology, um, and uh, many people say that blockchain will revolutionize not just the financial system itself, but also politics uh, in general and uh, many other aspects of our lives. How do you see this? At the moment, I'm not so sure. I think we are not so uh, so far gone to say to be able to say that open blockchains will revolutionize everything. You know, I think um, it can't revolutionize everything because, uh, let alone the, the the connection between the digital blockchain, the the digital value, and real life. Um, there is always a connection that you could in any way uh, change, you know, if you want to. But if we speak about uh, blockchains and um, systems that are, used, are only in the virtual world, um, then yes. I mean, I, I was thinking about this today. I, I was thinking about how could uh, Bitcoin and open blockchains also uh, be used in a democracy um, to help like against corruption. I mean, uh, you probably also have that in Hungary, uh, in Austria, we hear every day from people who are getting uh, vaccination, uh, although they are not um, uh, on uh, the, the, they don't have the, how, how do you say it? They should not be the next, you know, like people who are not over 80, who uh, uh, should not get it, already have got it. Like, for instance, mayors of uh, some towns already got their vaccinations. And I mean, in theory, a blockchain could be used for something like that. Um, so that nobody can say, I want to be next because I know this guy and now I'm getting my vaccine, you know, uh, because everybody could see who 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 is uh, allowed to have it, uh, who's the next in the row or not. That's just an example. I, um, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, let's get back to, to government and, and government functions. How do you think Bitcoin can change government functions in the future? Yeah, that's a very difficult question I um, that I can't answer because, I mean, that's a huge question and we all will be involved in deciding how we are going forward here. Um, I think on the, on the one hand, if governments or states, nation states would embrace Bitcoin, uh, that will put them um, in a good position compared to other nation states. And um, they can profit of the fact that it's uh, very transparent. So 
people paying their tax. If it's possible to pay my tax in Bitcoin, I would do it. Um, and it could also lead to more responsibility um, that ha has to be taken by politicians again, you know, because they you can uh, help hold them accountable for for public funds. Where are they going, for instance? You know, Bitcoin, you can audit Bitcoin and open blockchains very well. So um, if you're corrupt and uh, you're paying your friends with government money, uh, you can't do that uh, with an open blockchain. It's very interesting. It is very interesting that you have just mentioned uh, taxes because uh, many regions, already in Europe, but also in the United States, have already uh, announced that they are going to accept uh, taxes, for example, in bitcoins. So there is already this shift going on towards towards Bitcoin. Yes, I, I hope they will um, see that this is a chance and not only uh, a, a, a danger for them, you know. Um, and people always, or many naysayers always say, Bitcoin is not a money because you can't pay your tax in it. Uh, yeah, I could. I mean, <laughs> it, it just needs to be a decision that needs to be made. And I think that people would see that in a very positive way that their government or, or nation state is embracing new technologies and not only going there and building a uh, central bank digital currency, which is basically nothing new. It's just the euro in another phase, you know, um, because we have a digital euro already. Most of our money is digital. So every money that's not cash is digital. And I really don't know what the positive sides for the people of a country are uh, to use a central bank digital currency, because it basically has the same rules and the same properties as the euro has. And uh, so I see it more as a uh, advantage for the nation state to be able to say to the people, yeah, yeah, we know there is this Bitcoin and you sympathize with it, but we also have a cryptocurrency now, just use it, you know. And um, and there also the interesting fact is, of course, with, the, with those central bank digital currencies, uh, governments could go and say, okay, now we are uh, automatically redeeming the tax from your digital wallet because we can. Uh, or we are imposing uh, negative rates, interest rates now, because we just can. And and also the question is surveillance, you know. I mean, of, I always believed we are here in Austria and um, the government is very democratic and all those kinds of things. But when you see around around in the different nation states around the world, how right wing and totalitarian, um, um, how shall I say, um, politics are uh, growing and uh, earning more and more fans in that way. Um, with our history here in Austria, I feel I'm scared, you know. And um, when we take a look to China, for instance, they say they are already working on, they already have their uh, cryptocurrency, their Remnibi cryptocurrency, but they also have this uh, social credit system where they basically surveillance their uh, people 
by day and by night everywhere. And if you are not following the rules of the Chinese government, then you are not allowed to buy a train ticket anymore, for instance. Yeah. So um, that's that's a, a danger I see too. Yeah. So, so do you see the danger for Austria, for for Europe to come? That I mean, this danger of uh, of the let's say Chinese social credit system coming. Do you see this in in Europe as well? I I don't hope that this is coming. Really, I hope that we we still have a lot of uh, democratic values here, so such kind of things would not come. But if you look at the financial regulation we already have. That is very much um, influenced by the US because basically I think all those Bank Secrecy Act and all those things, they they uh, come to all the other countries in the world because we are all living in this US petrodollar system. And um, so what we also see is with Facebook, Google, and all those big companies, more and more surveillance by companies that together with the governments, because the governments go to these companies and say, give us the records, you know. So we are living more and more in a panopticum, in a, uh, how Shoshana Suboff coined the term, surveillance capitalism. And basically, Bitcoin and privacy coins are our way out, because Bitcoin is pseudonymous. So you, you can follow uh, money flows, but you don't know really who is behind one Bitcoin address. So because you don't need an ID. And that's basically a, a huge chance for us to um, um, retain our privacy, and um, which is a important human right, basically. Yeah, Because if my government knows every single small transaction I do, for instance, I I don't need the government to know that I've been in a gay bar, for instance, you know, because I paid with my uh, visa card there, for instance, which they can know if they want to. And uh, I really, and that's why we have cash still. And Bitcoin basically is the only chance I think that we have to have a new form of cash, a digital cash that has the same properties that cash has. And what do you think, uh, how will Bitcoin change our lives in the future? Because Bitcoin will also have a major impact for countries in the third, third world and for societies living already in authoritarian systems. Yeah, I think especially in those countries, it's important. I mean, you could argue that Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies here in our Western world are really like more uh, an investment, a speculation. But the, I think the bigger part of the world lives in countries that are authoritarian, uh, that don't allow them uh, to exchange goods or money uh, with the world. I've been to Zimbabwe exactly one year ago and I've seen what it means to live there and how people struggle and how the government takes their money away daily. You know, they have an inflation every day. The prices have been have to be uh, priced out new, you know, um, and uh, 
also in Nigeria, for instance, I had two people on my show from Nigeria uh, talking about their inflation they had in 2020, I think 20% inflation a year. So the money, the Nigerian Naira is melting away. And of course, they are in uh, Africa, the country with the most uh, use of cryptocurrencies. I think uh, 32% uh, of people who have, that was a survey, um, are using or have been using cryptocurrencies already, which is, I think, the highest percentage uh, worldwide. And um, one or two weeks ago, the Nigerian government uh, said that banks are not allowed anymore to build this bridge between crypto and the Nigerian Naira. And what happened is that um, the interest in Bitcoin only grew. So there has been the price has been going up because people want Bitcoin. So basically, governments can't ban Bitcoin, you know. And also in Zimbabwe, there is a huge influx of money remittances. Uh, a lot of Zimbabweans live in the rest of the world and send money back. I've heard that 1 billion US dollars has been sent back in the last year to Zimbabwe. And I said, I argue, I think that this is only the money they know of, you know, because I know, for instance, I sent some Bitcoin to a friend of mine in Zimbabwe, who is the school director to help them uh, to reopen the school after COVID. Um, so me and my listeners, we donated some Bitcoin to, to Zimbabwe and this works. And with uh, classical systems like uh, Western Union and how they are all called, they take 20, 10, 20, 25%. It costs time. Um, and the governments can censor it, basically, which they can't in Bitcoin. And also, very interestingly, in, Zim in Zimbabwe, for instance, uh, you have mobile money. It's called EcoCash. Um, it's like in Kenya, but now I, I've lost the name. Um, so this EcoCash, everybody has a phone and is using this EcoCash because you don't get banknotes. So um, you, you, you can't get uh, cash there, the uh, local currency. So everybody is using this and the government is deducting 2% of every digital transaction from everyone. So equally, if you're rich or poor, you have to pay this 2%. And yeah, I, when I was there, I told people with Bitcoin, nobody can uh, take your money away. It's yours. And people immediately understand what it is and how it can help them. And they do. You know, it's very uh, interesting. And also it's amazing to hear that in certain parts of the world and in parts that we consider as as third world that basically bitcoin already belongs to the everyday life uh, at least for a big bigger part of the society than here in the west and in the so-called first world um, and here in in our countries in the western world people still see options like bitcoin cryptocurrencies in general as you know with a bit of distance because it it could be a bubble it could be it could be something suspicious. Yes, I mean, we 
shouldn't forget that the system we have is 200, 300 years old, like the banking system or uh, the, 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 the fiat system. I mean, most of us, I mean, I was born around that time when the fiat system came around in 1971, but young people don't know that there has been something else before. And so it's a big shift in the way we see money and what money is. And also most people, including me five years ago, I had no idea about how our financial system is working and where money is coming from. I didn't know what the central bank does. I, I also didn't know how to invest in anything and all these kinds of things. And well, what inflation is, what it means that there are people who profit from that system, it, it never occurred to me. So we don't learn that in school. Uh, we, we don't learn, we, we are not learning basic financial education, you know? For a certain reason, probably. Exactly, yeah, maybe. And so um, it's really hard to get your head around because Bitcoin is so much. It's not only code. It's not only a form of money. Um, it's also there to enhance your privacy. Uh, it's possible to for you to survive on it. You know, I know somebody who's from Venezuela and they could flee the country so they could go from Venezuela and to live in, in the US, I think, um, because they were mining Bitcoin at home back some years ago, you know, and uh, it enabled them to leave the country and to send money back to their family, which otherwise they couldn't do. And um, so Bitcoin is so many things, it has so many aspects that it's really hard to understand, yeah. So that's why it takes so long. You can you can learn it, you can educate yourself about it, but you need, I guess, at least one year uh, to 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 understand the biggest part of it. And then I'm learning every day, you know, still. Anita, you have just mentioned the the banks and the role of the banks in our society for hundreds of years already. So they have been around for, let's say, five hundred years. The banks. Uh, how do you think the role of the banks will change in the upcoming years, thanks to the cryptocurrencies? Yeah, that's an interesting question, because I think in general, banks will be like the paper, the paper um, media houses, you know, uh, they will still be here. Some of them will do the good thing, have the good idea to adapt uh, or adopt Bitcoin early on and other cryptocurrencies. I mean, there is also uh, in, in the US, banks now are allowed to, to handle or use cryptocurrencies. And um, I think it would be a good idea for them to start um, educating people on these possibilities because otherwise, I'm not sure because in Bitcoin, you don't need an intermediary and also, we spoke about central bank digital currencies before. There's, of course, also the possibility that governments or central banks will directly send the money to the people's wallets without using banks. Um, so then there really is the question, what's the business model of a bank in the future? Because now they are basically earning their money from the credit they give you. And they, to be honest, I don't know really what they do. 
because um, they don't hold enough money. They only, I think, the fractional reserve system, I think it's 1% of them, the, debt, the, the credit they give out, they have to have. And um, so basically they earn their money through fees uh, from the people who need the money, you know, and pay back all the money. And um, so I don't know, really. And also the fact that uh, the governments now uh, during the COVID crisis are printing money on a larger scale than ever before. Uh, this will lead to inflation, maybe to hyperinflation. And, but on the other hand, you know, this type of uh, financial policy pushes people towards cryptocurrencies, I think. Yes, you of course. Also this way? Yes, yes, because um, if you have a currency or a money like Bitcoin that has a fixed limited amount and cannot be inflated, and if you, for instance, live in a country and you really feel the inflation because you know, the money is melting away, I mean, we here, we don't feel it really because it's 2% a year, yeah, okay, but if you if you um, extend the time uh, frame, uh, then you see the difference. And um, so I think, yes, of course, that's a fact. Why people go into cryptocurrencies, it's like people have bought gold in the years before there were cryptocurrencies. So the idea is basically the same, gold or property. And Bitcoin is, in a way, a digital form of gold, and it's also a digital property. If you imagine there is only 21 million Bitcoin, and you see this property, then uh, you try to secure your space on this blockchain. And so, yes, I, I see that people realize that it's an opportunity to, um, uh, how do you say that, diversify or um, to, to, to minimize the risk they might be seeing because in this financial and economical crisis, it can't be that uh, next year everything is fine, you know, that won't happen. So, so basically you can also secure your social status or financial status for the upcoming years by investing in Bitcoin, if I understand it well, because of the scarcity of, of, uh, of Bitcoin. Yes, you could, you could uh, think that way, yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to um, say here this is financial advice, that's not, of course. Um, but that's the idea basically behind, and that's what many people see, yeah. And I think uh, a very important step in adapting Bitcoin and Bitcoin becoming, maybe we can say mainstream, is the fact that uh, Tesla recently uh, invested 1.5 billion US dollars in Bitcoin. Uh, do you see this investment as a game changer for cryptocurrencies? Um, yes and no. I mean, I think uh, Elon Musk is testing the waters because um, I'm not really sure if he's really a fan of Bitcoin or if he's just uh, gambling, like in a way, yeah, testing it and also seeing maybe that this economical situation only has a downside. It doesn't have an upside in the next years. And um, it's also a sign, of course, um, if such a person with that company 
puts money into Bitcoin that he doesn't trust the US dollar. Um, but it's only a fraction of his personal wealth, you know, so he's really testing it. But on the other hand, yes, I think even more uh, the company before Michael Saylor from MicroStrategy, who was the first who put, I think, at the beginning, $250 billion uh, in it, I think it was $250, yeah. Um, he then went out to educate CEOs of companies who are interested in that. Uh, so he made workshops with them. And last week, uh, MicroStrategy put out another 900 billion, I think, um, in, in stocks or bonds, in bonds, for other companies to buy a share of MicroStrategy because those companies can't get exposure to Bitcoin because they are not allowed by the regulatory rules to buy Bitcoin themselves. So they are buying shares in MicroStrategy to, to be involved in the whole system. And of course, that's, that's a big uh, sign for people. Yeah, If somebody like Elon Musk and Tesla invest or companies like PayPal uh, come along, uh, uh, MasterCard, I think also Visa is doing something. Even JP Morgan now says, yes, Bitcoin will be this and that. So yes, in the, in the, that's the big difference to 2017 um, that we have now also big corporations uh, and and also hedge funds and investment bankers saying, yeah, maybe Bitcoin is an option. Yeah. So that's that's definitely a, a sign. And also the other day, Bitcoin surpassed this one trillion US dollar market cap. Um, and currently it is already the eighth most valuable asset exactly. right behind Google. Alphabet. Yes, yes. So, so with Bitcoin, you not only have an instrument um, that enables you to um, exchange value freely, even if you're not rich, you know, because you can use like uh, 50 euros in Bitcoin or 10 euros also um, and, and to exchange that freely. So um, it's on a way in, in a way it's uh, leveling the, the, the gaps between people, you know, uh, because if you're rich or poor, you have the same tool to your, um, at, to your, you can use the same tool. And I think that's a, a great um, um, idea, philosophy and, and principle and is democratizing the access to money. And we never had that before. And well, critics claim that cryptocurrencies are used for illegal activities and some even say that Bitcoin is a fraud. What is your opinion on these claims? Uh, the good thing and the bad thing at the same time uh, with those companies who analyze the blockchain is that you can also see how much of how many Bitcoin transactions or the volume uh, that has been used for so-called illegal activities and Chainalysis has um, shown the results in the last month. It's 0.35% of all transactions or the transaction volume in Bitcoin is used for illegal activities. And to be honest, I think the fines that the Deutsche Bank or JP Morgan had to pay for money laundering uh, were larger. And um, you can do illicit activities with cash, with US dollars, with any. You know, so that's not really an argument for me. 
because it's not about that. And Bitcoin a fraud, I mean, I think you can only say that if you did not study it well enough, because if you understand a little bit of code or um, follow the development in the last 11 years, and there are, of course, I think maybe it's also a, um, um, a mistake to, because there have been many scams, you know, so that's, that's sadly true because um, many people want to ride that wave and scam other people with um, Bitcoin. I don't know what that's a name, Bitcoin code, for instance, or another time one coin was a huge fraud. And I, I've also seen that in Africa, most people are scared and see it as a fraud because uh, there have been these scams. So it's really uh, another reason to do more and more and more education uh, to tell people how Bitcoin really works, how the technology works, because if you understand how it works, you know it's not a fraud. Um, so yes, that's, that's basically my answer is education. <laughs> and recently also the cryptocurrencies have become the center of attention for many regulators. Uh, what do you think, in, in, in which way could uh, cryptocurrencies be regulated? I think they are very regulated already because um, the on-ramps and the off-ramps, meaning when I want to use my euros and have Bitcoin in exchange and I go to an online exchange to exchange the money there, I have to do my Know Your Customer identification process. That's the same basically that I have to do when I go to a bank and open a bank account. So the on and off ramps are already regulated. They also try to regulate more and um, put the same uh, measurements on cryptocurrencies like on fiat money. But the thing is that um, Bitcoin basically is a um, a cryptographic defense mechanism in a way, and the developers are finding ways. Um, so basically it's a cat and mouse game, you know. Uh, Bitcoin will always be the mouse and the governments will be the cat that's trying to catch the mouse, but um, they won't be able to catch it. So, um, and on the other hand, I hope that with Bitcoin and also this education on the principles of um, privacy and human rights and um, against more and more surveillance, I hope that also the, the society and people will learn um, that it doesn't have to be that way. I mean, I, I, I feel it's weird that regulators and banks and, and, and those banks often are over-regulating. So they have more uh, checks in place as the regulator actually is asking them. And what we've seen, for instance, with WhatsApp and Facebook in the last months was that a lot of people suddenly switched to Signal because they realized that they are being gamed, you know, that, that Facebook basically does what they want and sell their data and more and more people learn that. And I also think that the education or, or knowledge from Bitcoin um, helps here because um, 
we, we, and I say we, I mean some people from the Bitcoin space and me, we try to tell people um, how does it come that we are basically, um, um, that we have to prove that our 1,000 euro come from my job or something like that, you know? We are not um, all uh, bad, you know? We are good people. And so I think this overregulation costs a lot of money and it excludes so many people from the system. And that's not okay. Anita, you have already mentioned that uh, certain countries have already tried to, to ban Bitcoin, to, to put severe uh, restrictions on Bitcoin. Do you think, um, and sorry, on the other hand, it uh, actually produced uh, the opposite effect what probably governments wanted to achieve. So even more support to, to the cryptocurrencies. Do you think a worldwide ban is possible or there is nothing that could stop Bitcoin anymore? No, I, I don't think that a worldwide ban is possible because they can't even agree on uh, uh, measurements to uh, help the planet, you know, like um, they can't even agree on climate goals, uh, however that is called, but you know what I mean. So how do you think that they will agree on a ban? There will be so many countries, if it's small countries, bigger countries who say, okay, if you're banning it, I'm going to start to mine Bitcoin, you know. There are mines in Pakistan already, for instance, in Iran, in the Ukraine, in Kazakhstan, in North America, in China, of course. Do you really think that they will give that up? I don't think so. I, I think it will be the other way around. There will be a government publicly saying, yes, we have Bitcoin, maybe this year, next year. Um, but I think actually this will be the way. And as you said, um, every like new rule that wants to ban Bitcoin uh, makes it stronger. It's like with those, how, how is it called? The Streisand effect on social networks, yeah. Mm -hmm. And before we conclude the talk, I still wanted to ask you, about your prediction regarding our financial system, let's say in the upcoming 15, 20 years, how will it look like? Uh, now we, we are in the year 2021, let's say in 2040, 2045, how will our financial system, global financial system look like? What a big question. Um, I can't really answer that, but I mean, I guess, you know, um, I mean, if I think back 20 years, um, I think there still were people who said the internet uh, won't be here much longer. And we are basically around that time. So 1995, 1997 is about that what's happening at the moment um, with Bitcoin. And so I think we cannot really imagine what is going to happen because like in 1995, you couldn't imagine something like the iPhone, where suddenly everybody has a, a high efficient computer in his pocket, you know? And um, I mean, my, my guess in a way is that uh, Bitcoin and the fiat system, if it doesn't break down completely, um, will live together for quite a long time. Um, but with the network effect in Bitcoin, it's 
getting stronger and stronger, you know, and I think this is, it's a wave you can't stop that anymore. So let's say 30% of Nigerians have used cryptocurrencies. Might be that a part of them is um, uh, disillusioned because they might have lost money or something like that. But I think the uh, e an equal amount of people will see what hard mon money is that nobody can take away from you. And what are they are going to do? They will tell their family and their friends. And they will, that's a reinforcing mechanism that you cannot stop. And so I think that um, Bitcoin adoption will only grow, uh, be faster. And also the developments are never stopped. You know, people still, Bitcoin is in permanent development. So, um, 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 oh, so, <laughs> hmm. okay. Brilliant. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much, Anita, for this very, very informative talk about um, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies in general. Um, yeah, as you have just mentioned, uh, these, uh, the, I mean, these currencies are here to stay and they will help us, the, the normal people, if you can put it, to promote democracy human rights, equality, and this on a global scale. So it was a very, very um, interesting talk. Thank you so much for joining us and uh, yeah, wishing you all the best. Yeah, thank you. You're very much welcome. And there's a last thing I want to say, if you don't believe me, please yeah. listen to my podcast. I have got interviews with the feminist uh, coalition from Nigeria, uh, with developers living in Ghana and Nigeria, um, with um, this uh, headmistress of the school in Zimbabwe. It's very interesting to hear them talk about how Bitcoin really helps them and how they are using it. So you don't have to believe me alone. <laughs> That, that's it. So, dear listeners, as you have just heard it, the Anita Posh show, you have to visit the website and there you can find already over 100 uh, podcast episodes. Anita, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, Balash, and thank have you. a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining the Anita Posh show today to learn more about Bitcoin. You can find the show notes for this conversation on anita.link slash show. If you want to get the best stories in Bitcoin from my point of view in your mailbox, go to anita.link slash weekly and subscribe. And if you have a question or just want to send me some feedback, drop me a line at hello at anitaposch.com. See you next week when it's time for the Anita Posh Show. Music, start with yes, delicate beats. Content, idea and production, Anita Posch.